Welcome to the Profitable Nutritionist Podcast, where your host and fellow nutritional therapy practitioner, Andrea Nordling, teaches you how to grow a sustainable, impactful, and consistently profitable health and wellness practice by following her proven formula. My friend, welcome back to the Profitable Nutritionist Podcast. This is a wonderful, wonderful episode for you today. If the thought of contacting an attorney about anything in your business to protect your business, to get your paperwork situated, LLC, client contracts, terms and policies and conditions on your website, if any of that makes you want to just crawl into a cave and never come out, you're going to love this episode. I brought on Sarah Waldbuser of Destination Legal, where you can find at destinationlegal.com. She gives you all of her information as well. But I brought her on the podcast to talk specifically about protecting your health and wellness business, which is something she is very familiar with. She works with online health coaches all the time to support them in the exact legal protections that they need at various stages of business. And we talk all about that on this episode, about what do you need in the beginning, then what do you graduate to, then what is the next step, all the way up to trademarking and copywriting and all of that. So we had a fantastic conversation. I know it is going to be so useful for you, regardless of what stage of business you're at. So if you are further along in your business, you're going to use this episode as kind of an audit. Have you forgotten anything? Is there anything you need to go tidy up legally to make sure that you are crossing all your T's and dotting your I's and protecting your business assets? If you are just starting in your business or just thinking about starting your business, this is also going to be really useful because you're going to know what is coming up ahead and you're going to know the first things to do instead of worrying about everything all at once. You're going to know exactly what you need to do on day one, which is probably a lot less than you think. You're going to be very pleasantly surprised if you're just starting out in your practice on what you need to do to get started and protect your business legally. Are you ready? Let's get into it. So Sarah, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I know this is going to be an amazing episode for my listeners and the way, well, I know this because we've talked so much, but also because you came into the Profitable Nutritionist program and did a live training for us in there and answered so many common questions that I get asked a lot and don't necessarily know how to field those questions. The answers to those questions. So I was so glad to have you come in and do a training for us and knew that it was going to be amazing to have you come on the podcast and answer these probably same questions for people as well. So before we jump into that, do you want to just give a little bio of yourself? Who are you? Why are you here? What do you do? All that good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Uh, I am Sarah. I'm an attorney and the owner of Destination Legal, where we empower coaches and online business owners to legally protect their businesses with contracts, terms, policies, and trademarks. And we do that in a couple of different ways. We have a template shop where we sell downloadable, do-it-yourself contracts, terms, and policies. And then we have a done-for-you registration package for trademarks, which allows you to own your brand name. And you know, I've been doing this for over seven years now. And like so many of your listeners, I'm sure I started this business because I wanted freedom, flexibility. I wanted to help people. You know, it's funny because I didn't really love being a lawyer. I didn't like sitting in an office. I had no desire to be on the partner track. But when I went to start my own business, you know, I thought of all of these other things that I could do. Like, should I have an e-commerce store? Should I be a coach? And actually, I thought about being a health coach. And, you know, the more people I met in the coaching world and in the online business world, the more questions I just kept getting about 
legal and contracts and trademarks and I need help and I don't know what to do. And so many people were overwhelmed and intimidated by the law that I really felt there was a place for me to help demystify it, make it easy and, you know, help other businesses protect themselves. And that kind of developed into our trademark, which is protect your passion. And it's really our passion to help other business owners protect their passion. So good. So I can say as a, am I a customer or a client? I don't know what I am, but yes, you're all of the above. (laughs) All of the above. I patronized your business with templates (laughs) and also with custom trademarking and contracts and all of the things. And I can say that you really do an amazing job at demystifying it. I can say that with full authority because it is so overwhelming. And I think not only is it overwhelming to understand the, like the legal language. I mean, when you're reading contracts, when you're trying to figure out what to even put on your website, as far as terms and conditions and policies and all of that. But I think even bigger is like, what do I even need to have in the first place? I think we can like pull up our big girl panties and like, okay, I can do this. I can figure it out. But do we even know what that is? And it's, it is really mystifying for a lot of people. So what I love about Sarah's company, Destination Legal is she does have extensive experience. Wow. I could not think of the word extensive experience in the health and wellness space and in helping a lot of health coaches with their, like helping them with their legal contracts and with all of the things that we need as coaches that work online, that work in person, doing in-person events, all of the things. So I would be curious for you, like, what do you see as the biggest question that people have, especially in the health and wellness space as they're getting started about like, what do they even need? Yeah. You know, I think part of the overwhelm comes from exactly that. People not knowing what they need, where to start, getting really overwhelmed with, you know, do I need an LLC? Do I need a contract? What's a privacy policy? What if I have a group program? What's a trademark? What's copyright? There is a lot. And so part of what I really try to do is break it down because legal really is you know, it is the foundation of your business. If you're building a coaching business, you that's going to be around, you need to build it on a healthy foundation, right? Just like a house has to be strong on the bottom, and then you add to it as you go. And that's how legal works. So on day one, you don't need everything. You don't need three trademarks and eight contracts, right? On day one, really, actually, all you need is a way to get paid in your contract, right? So people ask me like, what's the most important thing? What do I start with? And it is always starting with your contract. Typically for health coaches, you start out one-on-one, maybe later on you're adding in group programs and memberships and masterminds and things like that. But really when you're starting out, it's it's one-on-one working with clients, helping them, you know, in whatever your specialty area is. And I think when people can step back and be like, okay, I'm just, I'm going to start with my contract. I'm going to get that in place. And then as my business grows, that's when you add on other things to your legal toolbox. So then you want to think about protecting your website because it is required to have a privacy policy. And you do want to make sure you have disclaimers on there. You know, the thing about health and wellness coaches is you guys do have extra liability, you know, more liability as compared to like a business coach or a career coach, just because of what you're doing. And, you know, the topics that you're dealing with, there's just a higher chance of physical or mental injury that can happen that could fall back on you 
as the health coach. So making sure that you have some of these things in place day one, and then as you grow, you add on more things. So, you know, you have your website, then you add on that. And then maybe in a couple months or a year, you're doing a a group program. And so then you want to add on terms for that. So I just really try to break it down into literally that first step, which is really just your one-on-one contract. Yeah. Okay. That's so good. I have never asked you this before, but you just sparked a question in my mind. What is the time and place and difference? I'm going to be very curious about your stance on this for like a broad liability insurance as a health and wellness practitioner versus your actual contracts for your business? Yeah. So that's a great question. So insurance is always a great idea, right? Whether it's car insurance, health insurance, flood insurance, or general liability insurance as a business owner. However, your contract is what keeps you from even needing to rely on insurance because your contract is what keeps you out of a lawsuit, keeps you out of court, keeps you out of mediation or arbitration, keeps you out of those things that would end up resulting in a claim where you would have to go to your insurance company to get a payout. So while insurance is always a good idea, you know, having your contract really is your number one safeguard and keeps you from having to rely on that insurance in the first place. Yeah. Okay. That's such a good reminder. Do you have any, (laughs) this is a terrible question to ask. I'm giggling as before I ask it. Do you have any horror stories to share with us that come to mind of people that didn't have contracts and should have had contracts? Yes. I mean, there are many of them. Um, and you know, they range, they range, right? So there's the, the big horror stories that, that end up with like health coaches getting sued because of negligence or because of over-promising or doing things that you guys know you shouldn't be doing like medical diagnosis or things like that. So, you know, there's a, there's a fine line there that can really get you in trouble. And so you just have to be careful and stay in your lane, right? When it comes to Um, your medical expertise and having the contracts and the disclaimers that say you aren't a doctor and you aren't giving medical advice and things like that. You know, some of the horror stories, you know, not getting paid is a horror story, right? Like, you know, a client being in a three, six, 12 month contract with you and then backing out after three months, or as you said, let's say you didn't have a contract and you have someone who you think is going to be a six month client And after two months, they just change their mind and ask for a refund. If you have no contract in place, you have to give them a refund. Like there's no policy there. And so the policy is you're going to have to give back that money. And if they try to do a chargeback or anything like that, you have no legal standing. You have no safety net, which is what your contract is. You know, without a contract recently, this happened. There's something in contracts called a non-disparagement clause, which basically says, you know, you, your client can't badmouth you around the internet. It doesn't mean they can't leave a bad review or be honest about their experience, but they can't make up things and like, you know, put it all over social media, which does happen. And so someone reached out to me. I get a lot of DMs in my inbox of, you know, of a story where they had worked with a client, the relationship had turned sour. And now the client was like threatening to release boxer messages and text messages and all of this stuff on the internet. 
And my first question always is, what was in your contract? And she didn't have a contract. And so then there's really nothing that you can do. And, you know, she was just in a panic that, you know, these private conversations were going to be released out there. And so, you know, there's just a lot of, of things that can go wrong. And specifically, you know, if you're a health coach and you're dealing with exercise and physical activity and and weight and supplements and suggesting things, you know, your client could end up, you know, trying that yoga pose and fall down the stairs or try that recipe you gave them and end up with an allergic reaction or get that supplement you suggested and just have, you know, something really go wrong. And you're on the hook for that if you don't have a contract. And so, you know, we could talk all day about the the things that could go wrong and they do. Um, but something to keep in mind also is that 90, 95% of the time, everything is going to be fine. Your clients are all going to be amazing. But there is that, you know, 5 to 10% where it's not. And with legal, it's not a matter of if, it's when. If you're in business long enough, you're going to run into a legal issue. <laughs> it's, so, it's so uplifting, isn't it? <laughs> But it's true. I think I've told you before, I come from the world of real estate. So I've been licensed as a real estate broker since I was 22. And I've always been in the back of my mind. It's like, how do we not get sued? How do we not get sued? How do we not get sued? It could be coming. Let's make sure all of our yeah. thoughts are real. So I, I mean, I appreciate the the candor there. It's the truth. Okay. Yeah. So contracts, very important as a starting point. And then I, I'm sure we'll get into this, but I see a lot of people have questions about like trademarking and when do I need to do that? When's that appropriate? So do you want to just kind of take us on the journey of like contract and then website protections? And then what is the road? Like what's kind of the hierarchy there? Yeah, I will. And, and, you know, I, I don't want to be total Debbie Downer. So let me just say something amazing about contracts and why they are so awesome. And that not only do they keep you from getting sued, but they're also, they're, they're great for your clients too, because they outline expectations and boundaries. There's something for your clients to refer back to. So not only are you protecting your business, but you're also doing them a favor. And, you know, one thing about legal is that once you have these things in place, you're, you're not worrying about them every single day. You're, they're not keeping you up at night anymore because you know that you have that protection. So you know, after you have your contract in place, as I said, typically the next step is your website. You know, again, once you have those policies in the footer, you can just kind of leave them there. And then as your business grows, typically, you know, you only have so much capacity for yourself, right? So a lot of health coaches then will add a group program or an online course or maybe a membership. And at that point, you need terms of purchase. And so terms of purchase are similar to a one-on-one contract, except they're agreed to online at the point of checkout. You don't have to have them signed by your client through HelloSign or Dubsado or anything like that. You know, we all do it all the time by clicking here. You agree to our terms of purchase, our terms and conditions, whatever they may be called. But they, again, they outline the important things, what's included in the course or the program. Is there access to you? Um, how long do they have access to the program, your payment refund policy, things like that. And again, always, especially for health and wellness coaches, are disclaimers that this is all just information education. None of it is professional advice, medical advice. These are just suggestions. You know, if you are saying, 
try these supplements or this is an amazing treadmill I got. These are really suggestions, recommendations. You don't want any liability for what could happen if someone does take you up on that. Like, seriously, what if you say, try this great vitamin D and someone takes it and ends up taking too much and there's an overdose. Now, I don't know what can happen with an overdose of vitamin D, but some things, you know, you get too much of and it's not great and they could come back and blame you. Um, so those terms of purchase are really important. And then by this time, you're probably hiring some teams. So you need a, an independent contractor, contract service provider contract. You might get to a point where you're hiring support coaches. Anytime money is exchanging hands, whether you're getting paid or paying, you want to make sure to have some kind of written agreement in place. And then retreats as well. So you know this, you know, you're um, hosting retreats and retreats are amazing, great for business, so fun, but also open you up to so much more liability because you are doing things in person. So, you know, everything from the bus you rented, getting in a car, a car crash to someone, you know, having an allergic reaction at breakfast to someone just doing the yoga class at your retreat and having a heart attack, right? Like all of these things could happen. We hope that they don't. Um, but retreat contracts are super important. And we found with COVID, a lot of coaches lost a lot of money because they didn't have contracts in place for retreats that they had to cancel. And it was just a big mess. So having that oh, in place is, imagine. Yeah, yeah. is really important. Um, so that's kind of the contract piece. In terms of trademarking, which is an amazing thing to do for your business. It allows you to own your brand, own the name of your podcast or your signature course, your business or program that you're running. And with that power, you know, you can keep others from the industry. You can say, keep them from using your name or anything similar to it. And the timing of a trademark there is no right time, um, although I will say many people wait until it's too late. So you can trademark anytime. You can trademark on day one of your business or on day 100 or 1,000. The, the more important question is, how important is that name to you? So a trademark allows you to, as I said, to own the name for the class of goods or services that you're selling. You know, Amazon has 900 trademarks. A lot of them they've just reserved. So you can actually reserve a name by filing an intent to use application versus something you're using right now. So if you're thinking, wow, I have this amazing name for a signature course, but I'm not launching until next year, you can actually still reserve that name to make sure nobody else is using it. And I think we've talked about this one-on-one, -on -one, but I like to use something called the gut punch test to decide whether it's time to trademark or not. And so if you're thinking of your business name or your podcast name or signature course name and you love it, if you got an email tomorrow in your inbox with a cease and desist letter saying you have 10 days to rebrand and you can never use this again, how would you feel? If you get that gut punch, like sick to your stomach, like, oh my gosh, I've invested so much time, money, and energy in this name, and now I'm not going to be able to use it, like, then it's time to trademark. If you're like, oh, no biggie, I'll rebrand next week, then it's not because a trademark is a time and money investment. This is something that takes could take over a year to get. And, you know, it's something that you want to make sure you your business is going to be using it in a few years. 
But I also have clients who get trademarks and then never end up using them. Their businesses change and things like that. But it is always better to have the trademark and not need it than to want the trademark and not be able to get it. Yeah. Okay. I don't know the answer to this. Do Are trademarks like domains? Can you sell them? Absolutely. Trademarks are a business asset that you can buy, sell, trade. And if selling your business is ever on the horizon for you, uh, you have to have the trademark. You have to own that intellectual property. Someone is not going to come in and buy your business if you don't actually know, own the name of it. So, you know, business names, if you're thinking about running a certification or anything like that, you certainly want to own the trademark for that because if you have XYZ certified coaches, you know, you want to be able to dictate who can use that name, how they use it, things like that. So, you know, Facebook bought the meta trademark for something like a billion, I don't know if it was a billion, but like millions of dollars. And there are trademark bullies that, you know, go around getting trademark names so that other people can't. There was a big, there was a case, one of the Kardashians, not Kylie, the other one, the, one of the like Kendall, her sister. Yeah, maybe it was Kendall. I don't know. One of the younger ones had a kid yeah. named it something weird, like Stormy. I don't even know what. And some dude went and filed for the trademark before they could. And so the Kardashians ended up suing. And actually, they were able to win it because if you're do if you're filing a trademark under malice and you're like doing it with bad intent. That's not cool. The The trademark office doesn't like that. So they actually awarded it back. But there are absolutely people who are sweeping up trademarks so that others can't and then selling them to those people. So that's a thing. Yeah. yeah. Thing. I mean, who hasn't had the thought that you wish that you had bought some really good domains like 10 years ago? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Yeah. I remember, yeah, 10 years ago, actually buying some up and being like, oh, someday somebody's going to want to buy this from me. <laughs> this is going to be great. This is happening. It has not oh, happened yet. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> Crossing figures. I do. I have a lot of domains. And then every year my husband's like, we ready to let these go. They're about to renew again. I'm like, you keep those renewing. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> it's a constant battle. Okay. So people protect their websites. They protect their intellectual property with trademarks and go through the gut punch chat test. I love that Sarah so much because it is true. And she has asked me this when we were on a a consult about some trademarks that she's doing for us in our business. And that, I mean, that's just like a really good tell. If someone told you you can't use it, what, what do you do? So that was really useful for me. I'm glad that you shared that with them. Switching gears a little bit, a lot of questions that my audience asks, and this is for people in the United States, I would assume that there's probably, I mean, I'm only familiar with the United States, but even internationally, I'm sure that there are considerations like this too. But state by state in the US, there are a lot of different parameters on what you can call yourself in your marketing, depending on what state you live in. So this is for holistic nutritionists and nutritional therapists of various modalities, whatever, like, you know, every certification has their own credentials that they give in their own name. And I know people get really, really concerned about not crossing any legal lines as far as what they call themselves and how they brand themselves on their website and all of that, depending on the state they live in. This is something that we talked about in depth when Sarah came on and did a legal Q&A inside the Profitable Nutritionist. So I would love if we could touch on this a little bit. I think it is just like a really helpful 
kind of like something to be aware of. And then also it's all going to be okay. (laughs) Yeah. You know, it is a big topic. I work with a lot of registered dietitians who run into this issue. So the number one piece to take away is that health coaching, I'm sure you know, is an unregulated industry. So if you are calling yourself a health coach, holistic health coach, certified health coach, anything health coach, you're fine in any state. There are no regulations. So that is actually the safest path. Now, if you are a registered dietitian, if you're a licensed nutritionist, I know Canada has all sorts of regulations around this as well, then you need to be a little bit more careful in your state. So if you're a registered dietitian in Florida and you're working, you know, in Florida, it's fine to say that, but when you're marketing yourself online and your website is showing up in all these other states, then you need to more, you know, market yourself more as a health coach who also happens to have the credential as an RD. So, you know, I think this is, it's a gray area that I think will continue to develop. If you do have a license, then you need to follow the license guidelines of your state Um, There are states that have reciprocity. There are states that allow that, you know, really don't have license requirements or restrictions. So it's kind of a free for all there. There are states that are more strict. So knowing a little bit of that, um, if you are a licensed professional is important. But again, if you are worried about the gray area, the safest way really is to be a health coach, because again, that's unregulated. But you as the health coach then also need to be careful. Don't call yourself a health coach if you're actually doing things that an RD does in your state and that requires, you know, a license. So you, you know, shouldn't necessarily be doing nutritional therapy and analyzing blood tests and things like that. Every business owner has to figure that out for themselves. And, you know, is the the state licensure going to come after you for your license? Maybe, maybe not. Obviously, none of this is legal advice. This is just my thought and my opinion on the matter. I do think this is something that's really untested. And, you know, it's my opinion. I feel this way about the bar, the legal bar as well. I don't think we should have state licensure requirements for RDs. I don't think we should have 50 different bar exams for lawyers. Like the laws just are not that different. And like, if I'm offering medical nutritional therapy in Florida, like what's the big deal if I offer it in Georgia too, right? This is just my opinion. Um, I just think it's creating a lot of paperwork and confusion when really people just want to help people. And since we're doing it a lot more now in Zoom than we are in person, um, I just think some of these things are naturally going to have to evolve and change over time. It's just licensing, regulations, the law is always years behind technology and what's actually happening. So, you know, sit tight for now, follow the the licensing requirements of what you call yourself in your state. But if you are kind of just out there online, you know, being a health coach or holistic health coach, certified health coach really is one of the safer paths to take. Yeah. I remember we talked about this a little bit, but could you just like clarify for people that are working with clients remotely, is it the state that they are located in or the state that the client is located in that they need to be aware of? 
I mean, this is the question, right? So, you know, technically when your, your contracts are the states that you're in, right? That your business is in. But if you are actively giving, you know, if you are an RD and you're doing nutritional therapy, blood tests and all of that, that is actually taking place in the state where the client is, right? And so that board, that licensure could come after you. So you do need to think about the laws in the state where your client is. Now, that's different than in general, right? Normally, I would say if you're a business coach and your client's in California and you're in Texas, like your contract, everything is ruled by Texas. But because of these licensing requirements, you want to be aware of what's going on in the state where your client is because they could come after you. Now, this raises a question. You're living in Florida. You know, the Texas Board for Registered Dietitians like brings a claim against you. Are they doing that in Florida or Texas? Are they just going to block you from doing anything in Texas or can they reach out to your board in Florida and strip you of your license? Like this stuff, it's stuff that hasn't really been tested yet, right? And so, you know, this is all a developing story. And again, it's what's your risk tolerance as a business owner? If you don't like any risk and you want to make sure you're doing everything 100% above board, then you should know the requirements of the different states. If you're more risk tolerant, then maybe you're not going to be as worried about it. Yeah. I'm wondering as you're saying that, I'm like, how much of that risk could be mitigated in your contracts and in your in your website terms and conditions and policies and all that? Yeah, for sure. So, you know, if you are a registered dietitian or some other kind of professional or licensed, you know, I work with therapists who are turn coaches, things like that. In all of our templates, it clearly says that coach is not acting in her capacity as an RD. In our relationship together, I'm not acting in my capacity as a dietitian. I'm acting as a health coach. In our relationship, I'm not acting as a therapist. I'm acting as a life coach. So your contract really can help you there. And in your marketing, it should be the same. Like, you know, I, through our coaching... And then in your bio, like it's clear that you're an RD or that you have an MSW or whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's, it just be smart about what you put in writing. Yeah. (laughs) Can we we just say that? Just be smart about it. Just be smart about it. Okay. So that's really helpful. I know people have a lot of questions about that, especially with like red states and yellow states and there's, there's so much. And it, like you said, I just think that that's such a great reminder. It, this is an evolving story yet to be written because it is so far behind and it's changing so fast. And of course, the powers that be love those registration fees that they get for licenses in those states. And, you know, there's just like, there's a lot to be yes. that has to change before anything changes. And there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of money on the line. So exactly. You know how that goes. Yeah. <laughs> so fun. What else do you think is an important thing we should touch on in this episode? I mean, I got my questions answered, but yeah, what else do people need to know? Well, so kind of a hot topic that we haven't touched on is um, copyright, your content, chat GPT, Mm. some AI stuff, like getting a lot of questions on that lately. Oh, this makes me want to die. Sarah, let's talk about it. This (laughs) makes me want to die. Like on a fundamental human level, I hate everything about it. 
um, unsubscribe, unsubscribe. Yeah. <laughs> That's how I feel. And then at the same time, this is the world that we live in. This is where, I mean, I'm getting questions about the same thing. So yeah, let's talk about it. Yeah. So, you know, we talked about trademarks, which protect the name, a brand name, a logo, a slogan, something like that. And copyright is what actually protects the content you're creating. So an ebook, a signature course, if you know, an image, a picture, music, copyright protects the actual content that you're creating. And, you know, copyright law is automatic. So if you create something, if you write something, you own it, right? You get to decide how it's used. You can sell it. You can decide if other people can use it. That is automatic. But in the US and in most countries, if you want to bring a claim for copyright infringement because somebody stole your content, you have to have registered that with the copyright office. So this doesn't necessarily need to be done for every single blog post, but if you do write a book or have a signature course that you're concerned somebody could copy, then having that registered is a good idea. And, you know, it's not as complicated as trademark. It's not as expensive. So it's something that can definitely be done. What's happening with ChatGPT is that people are now creating content where they didn't necessarily write it, right? And so one of the big questions with ChatGPT is that, you know, can you own it? And while technically under the terms of ChatGPT and AI, like you do own whatever the output is, but you can't own it in terms of copyright registration because it has to be, to be copyrighted, it has to be generated by a human. And so that is actually written into the regulations and the laws that it has to be written by a human. So the gray area that is coming and going to be tested is what if I use ChatGPT, but then I, you know, have my own, you know, I put my own little tint on it, I change some words, then it is original to me and I do own it. So can I get the copyrighted. So, you know, and how is the copyright office going to know the difference between these different forms of writing and all this stuff? So this is another area that is definitely going to be developing. I did a blog post on it a couple weeks ago and just some of the legal issues that are coming out. Something I found really interesting that under chat GPT's terms, if you are publishing a post, an email, something fully written by chat GPT, you're supposed to tell your audience that. Like you're supposed to disclose that this was written by AI and not by you. And I know people are not doing that. Oh, for sure. And so that's considered to be in violation of the term. So I found that kind of interesting. I don't know. Like I, for me, the jury's still out. I'm enjoying using it for some things like titles of things and some outlines. I got 10 ideas for toddler lunches. Like I think there is some uses but I think there are a lot of big questions too. Yeah, huge questions. Okay, so one that I have as we're talking about this, just to, because I was wondering this, I'm sure other people wonder too. When you're talking about copywriting, like a signature course or content, we talked about written content, but what about video content? Is that same copyright video content? Yep. Same thing, it doesn't have to be. Absolutely. So think about movies, right? Back in the 90s oh, or 80s, yeah, yeah. when you're in a theater, you see this big copyright notice come above, like you cannot sit there and record the movie on your phone and then put it on YouTube, right? So absolutely, video, music, um, jewelry, art, like any, just think of anything creatively that you 
have put out into the universe. Yeah. Okay. So we should probably do another meeting on that. <laughs> By the way. Yeah. <laughs> oh, such a, oh my gosh. This chat G- GPT plot twist here just has me all sorts of anxious. I got to tell yeah. you. Yeah. But it's, it's like a really, it's a really good question. I never thought of the legal implications of it. I mean, yeah. I think of more of like, you know, just our, our societal structure crumbling and whatnot. Like those. Yes. Are like, like, well, like, I, I was on, I was on another podcast yesterday for copywriters and she was like, they're panicking a little bit, right? Like I'm not, I'm not, you know, and also I guess people are saying like, you can just have chat GPT write your contracts. Well, okay, but like not. And ChatGPT will tell you they do not provide legal advice and things like that. So I don't think this is going to be the end of all copywriters, right? Because especially in the online space, the coaching space, your personal branding, your storytelling, your personality is so important to your marketing that that cannot be, at least from what I've seen replicated by AI. Yeah. Yeah. I think so too. And I think from a business standpoint, it, the, I mean, you're the way that you write copy and the way that you have written marketing assets and video and all of that is also going to directly translate to how you talk to real people in the real world about their problems and how you solve those problems, which, you know, getting a, a good outline for a blog post or an email or whatever from AI is one thing, but does that translate into talking to someone in the grocery store that just wants your help and wants to hire you? <laughs> right. So, yes. I, I don't think it's the end all be all for any solution business wise or, or other, but Ugh, it just brings up all the feels for me. I got to be honest. Yeah, it does. There's there's yeah. a lot there for sure. There is. Okay. Yeah. Anything else we didn't cover that the people need to know? And then you have to tell them where to find you and patronize you and all of that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, we, we covered a lot. I think the only thing maybe we didn't really touch on that I, a question I get a lot is when do I need to start my LLC? And, and, um, we actually have a product for this called happy hour, your LLC, which is how to start your LLC in just one happy hour. It's like $27. Uh, so we can link to that, but you know, LLC is important. It's not the number one thing. I get so many people that are nervous about starting their business because they haven't filed for an LLC and, you know, think that that has to be done on day one. And it doesn't. As we know now, the only thing you need on day one is your contract and a way to get paid. But filing as a limited liability company is important. It does offer legal protection. It, it, makes it allows you to easily get a business bank account and EIN except you know it separates your personal and business assets which is a big deal there's a an error of professionalism that comes with that that your clients will see and appreciate so you know usually within the first 6 months to a year it's important to get done once you know your business is viable you're going all in on this um, it's a good idea to do it but it doesn't necessarily need to be the first thing that you do yeah, I love that we're talking about that. And I mean, consult a, a good accountant CPA for when to transition to an S corporate. Yes, you know, absolutely. You know, people get really confused about that too. But a good starting point is an LLC for most people. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, once you're hitting six figures, and you know, there could be major tax savings to be taxed as an S corp and all of that. For sure, talk to you know a professional. I know nothing about that. My accountant did all of that for me. Tax law was the only class that I actually cried the night before the final because I was like, I do not understand any of this. 
It's so terrible. I have very strong feelings about not becoming a tax expert. I know a lot of people when they're running their own business want to know all of the things. They want to know exactly how to do the deductions, how to file it themselves, how to like, don't do that. Stop it. There are people that do this. They are strange species. We don't understand them. Let them do their job and don't try to become a tax expert. No. And still make money. Yes. And there's no way you will be able to like, Unless you decide to dedicate yourself full time to that, right? But there's no there's no need because you'll still miss something. So hundred percent. And it'll yeah. probably cost you a lot of money. So just don't do that. Don't yeah. Do that. And go make money instead. Yes. <laughs> I love it. Absolutely. Okay, Sarah. So speaking of, how do people find you and where are you on the interwebs? Yeah. So we're at destinationlegal.com, pretty much everywhere. Instagram at Destination Legal, Facebook at Destination Legal. If you head to our website or we can include a link for this as well, we have a free coaches legal checklist that will go over basically the four things, uh, the main things you need to think about as you get started and grow your business. And any questions, I'm always around. Perfect. Do you tend or do you tend? Do you happen to know the URL on your website for the legal checklist or is that obvious when they go to destinationlegal.com? I'm 99% sure it's destinationlegal.com forward slash coaches. Okay. We're going to put that to the test. Okay. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm sure it's on there at the click of a button. Uh, otherwise, it will be that by the time this goes live, right? <laughs> Ah, perfect. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your expertise. Sir. I know that this is just, it's one of those things that's like the cringiest topic for people when it's just like that thing that you want to put off forever. And I think you do a beautiful job of simplifying and making it really approachable and just like, we're going to figure this out one step at a time. You don't need to do it all at once. I'm so appreciative of that. I know people are going to love this. Oh, thank you for having me. My friend. Does growing your business over the summertime, the busiest three months of the year, seem possible to you? How about if I tell you you can do it in five to 10 hours each week? Uh, yeah, I thought that would get your attention. Great. Behind the scenes here at the Profitable Nutritionist headquarters, we have been planning something really big for you. In fact, this is something we've never done before, a live challenge all about efficiency, time management, and delegating. The challenge officially starts on Monday, May 13th, and my friend, you are invited. During our five days together, plus some extras that I'm keeping as a surprise for now, you are actually going to be getting access to completely updated, brand new paid content from inside the Profitable Nutritionist program. And in this content, I teach you exactly how to structure your work for the next 90 days, including exactly what to focus on and how to lay out your calendar and your to-do list so it all gets done. We actually do an entire day's training on how to retrain your brain to procrastination-proof your top priority tasks. Those are the ones that make you the most money in the shortest amount of time, by the way. <laughs> yes, you will walk away from this totally free challenge with a rock-solid plan for June, July, and August, all plugged in to a color-coded calendar system that is the stuff dreams are made of. The challenge is called Summertime 2.0. Again, it's brand new material to get you out of overwhelm so you can cruise into the busiest time of year feeling organized and focused while your business bank account balance just climbs up and up and up, hopefully while you are poolside or beachside. <laughs> I've taught free trainings before, but what I've never done is combine it with live Q&A, implementation sessions, coaching calls, and done-for-you resources. My friend, this is a totally different experience than anything we've ever done before. That is what you are getting in Summertime 2.0. I'm holding nothing back. Remember, this is actual paid content from inside my program, which you get a sneak peek into for five days straight. The dates are May 13th to the 19th, 
You are going to learn everything you need to know about time management, prioritizing, creating time boundaries, how to say no to people and opportunities that are costing you money in your business, and how to actually stick to your calendar and finish your to-do list each week, including live Q&A with me where you can ask all of your questions. So do I have you sold? I sure hope so. <laughs> to register for the challenge, go to theprofitablenutritionist.com slash time, T-I-M-E. Remember, we officially start on May 13th. It goes through May 17th, but there are a few pre-party happenings going on. So make sure you register right now and don't miss out. The challenge is brand new material delivered in a completely new way that is going to have you loving the boring topic of time management. I promise. <laughs> and the best part is it's totally free. Register right now at theprofitablenutritionist.com slash time.